You know, a couple of weeks ago, we started a sermon series on living God's purpose. Um, living God's purpose. And we started off by saying that our purpose in life is to shine for God, is to shine for Christ. That our purpose in life is to bear the image of God. If you will remember way back in the book of Genesis when God created man and woman, it says that he made man and female in the image of God. Well, since then, we've kind of gone away from that. But God, through it all, has been trying to get us back to that reality. And when we step into that presence, when we step into that reality, that our purpose in life is to reflect the image of God, that is when we will find the most happiness, find the most joy, find the most peace, is when we realize that our purpose in life is to reflect the image of God. Last week... We had a powerful message. Mario came up and he gave his testimony and he he laid out for us his walk with God. And if I had to guess, if I was to ask Mario, when in your life have you been the most, when have you been the happiest? When have you sensed God's peace most in your life? Is it now that you're reflecting the image of God now that you're shining for him or back 10, 15, 20 years ago when you weren't in the church or your walk with Christ wasn't as strong. What do you think he would say right now? Absolutely right now. Now that I am shining for Christ, now that I have stepped into my God given purpose and I'm shining for him now. Is when I feel the happiest. Now is when I feel the most joy. Now is when I experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. The interesting thing is that he would tell you, just as I would tell you, that the troubles haven't stopped. There's still things that go wrong. Sin is still there. The Bible says that God makes the sun shine on the good and the bad. He makes the rain fall on the good and the bad. We live in a sinful world. So bad things will happen to good people. But being in that presence, being in that purpose where we are reflecting God's image and we're doing our best to shine for him is what brings us that peace and that happiness and that joy. We're going to continue on this theme of finding God's purpose for our lives. And today is going to be a little twofold message. Is finding God's purpose not only in our church, but in our families. And I'd like for you real quickly to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 19. And I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Matthew Chapter 19, starting with verse 13. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. First book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 says this. Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples 
rebuked them. Can you imagine this? Just imagine with me for one minute the children wanting to come to Jesus and the disciples rebuke the children. Shoo, shoo, get, get out of here. The, Jesus doesn't have time for you. Go, 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 go. Hurry on. Go your way. Could you imagine this? And to this, Jesus responds in verse 14. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Now, the book of Mark, Mark gives us a little bit more insight as to what happened in that moment, in that incident. If you turn in your Bibles, keep your finger in Matthew because we're going to come back to that. But turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them. Now, for most of us, it's our goal to please Jesus Christ. For most Christians, it's our goal to please Jesus. And for those of you that might be new to the faith, might be new to Christianity, you, you may be in a stage in your walk where you're still trying to figure out what this means to you and how this is helping your life and your walk in, in day by day. But you too will come to the point and realize that as you get to know Christ more and more, you too are going to get to the point where your goal is to want to please Christ to want to please God. And here we read that when he heard this, he was greatly displeased. I wouldn't want Jesus to be greatly displeased with me. But he turns to the disciples, greatly displeased, and said to them, Let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And listen to verse 16. I love verse 16. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. He didn't just say, oh, yep, I acknowledge you. Um, You know, God be with you. Go your own way. No. He took the time to bend down, see them eye to eye, took interest in them, gave them his undivided attention, picked them up with his arms and blessed them, prayed over them. If we are to reflect the image of Christ here on earth, our children need to take a number one priority. As a church, children need to take number one priority. In our homes, our children need to take a number one priority. I'd like for you guys to go back to the book of Matthew. Go back to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. 
Matthew chapter 18, starting with verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Have you noticed that this is a reoccurring debate among the disciples? This has happened already before with James and John arguing about who's going to be on the right and who's going to be on the left. And if you remember the night before his crucifixion, they were still arguing about who was going to be the greatest. And you remember what Jesus did. He took the basin, the towel, and he began to clean their feet, wash their feet clean. Well, here they're arguing about it again. In verse 2, then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean we need to start wearing diapers again? Crawling on all fours? Drinking from a bottle? What does that mean? Unless you become like a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, I'm not a dad yet. Hope to be soon. Not that she's expecting. <laughs> I, I, I saw it coming. She pregnant? You know, one time we went to visit Heather's uh, family in Oklahoma. We were living in Colorado at the time. And uh, I get up and I, you know, wanting to be funny, I say, uh, I say to the crowd, I say, uh, I said, Heather and I are expecting, oh, this is her hometown. Everybody, oh, they even busted out an applaud, applause. And I said, yep, we're expecting a lot of snow in Colorado this year. <laughs> oh, I, they're not letting me live that one down. But what does that mean to become little child? I've been a youth pastor for many years, and uh, as I've interacted with children, there are certain things that have just jumped out at me that tell, teach me a lot about what my relationship with Christ ought to look like. Every time I do a baby dedication and I hold a baby in my arms, I think to myself, this baby is 100% dependent on its caretaker, on its parents, on its mother, or its father. If we were to take that baby and place it in a room and leave it and forget about it, that baby would not have the ability to clean itself, to feed itself. It is a hundred percent dependent on its father or on its mother, both. We too need to be a hundred percent dependent on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Day in and day out, our trust needs to be on Him. We need to rely on Him for everything. You know, there's a time in a child's life when they don't want to move away. They don't want to be separated from mom or dad. You know, oh, they're shy, we always say. But they want to cling to mom and dad because with mom and dad, they have found security and they have found safety. We too need to be that way. We need to find our security and our safety in God and not run away with strangers. 
How often it is that in our daily lives we go about chasing idols and chasing strangers and we forget that we have a loving God waiting for us, waiting to provide for us. There's also a time in a child's life that they get to the point where what dad says is true. No matter what. What mom said it, I believe it. And you cannot convince that child otherwise. Son, that's a bald eagle. Wow, a bald eagle. Daddy said that's a bald eagle. Well, son, I hate to tell you, but that's not a bald eagle. That's an overgrown sparrow. No, dad said that's a bald eagle. And that's the way our relationship with Christ needs to be. We need to believe in every word that he says. And even though we may look like fools, we believe in him because he said so. He said it would happen. He promised it and it was going to happen. There are many characteristics that little children have that we can pattern our Christian walk by. And I think that this is what Christ was talking about when he said this. He said, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And I just gave three. There are many, many more. And I know that parents, you know, you experience these day in and day out. And there are many valuable lessons that we can learn just by our children and their interaction um, with us and with others and with God. I'd like to jump down to verse six. Because in verse 6, we read one of the harshest um, rebukes, one of the harshest warnings that Jesus ever gave. In verse 6, it says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Those are some pretty stern words. A millstone. And by the way, the Greek word here for the millstone actually refers to a donkey's millstone. In other words, Christ chose the largest millstone. In other words, a millstone that's so large that it takes a donkey to rotate it as opposed to a a small millstone that a human can do. No, he uses a donkey's millstone here. He says, if you lead one of these little ones to sin, if you lead them astray in any way, it is better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself in the depths of the sea. This is how seriously Jesus looks At how we provide for our children. We live in a world today where our children are attacked day in and day out. They're bombarded with things that we never thought imaginable 50 years ago. My little nephew was telling me a story that happened to him about a year ago. And he's 13 years old right now. He was over at a friend's house local neighborhood friend. And while he was playing with his 12-year-old buddy, he pulls out a pack of cigarettes. And he says to my nephew, do you want one? 12 years old. And my nephew says, no, no, I don't want. 
And the little boy proceeds to light one up, smokes one entirely, and goes on and smokes another one. And then he turns to my nephew and he says, I do this every time my parents fight because it calms me down. We live in a world today where our children are bombarded day in and day out. The things that you see on TV today would have never been showed 50, 60 years ago. Just last weekend, the new Batman movie came out. Record numbers. It sold over $158 million on opening weekend. Three days, $158 million was spent. It blew, it blew the, the other one, um, which had reached a mark of 151, I believe. And here opening weekend, 158 million. All the Christian reviews that I have read on this movie say that this movie is not for children. It's not for children. It's so dark. There's so much violence, the terrorism, the the sedition from beginning to end for three hours. All Christian reviews say that this movie should have been rated R. But you know it's rated PG-13. And so you see the lines wrapping around the theater with children ready to go see Batman. Our kids are being bombarded day in and day out. And we as a church, we as families have a responsibility to guard our children. And to create for our children an environment where they can not only meet Jesus, but sustain that relationship with him. In verse 7 it says, woe to the world because of offenses. And the word there literally means enticements to sin. Woe to the world because of enticements to sin. For offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom the offenses come. We have a responsibility as a church and as families to protect our children and not lead them astray or not put them in an environment where they will be enticed to sin. We need to watch over them. Because as the Bible reminds us, the devil is out there like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In verse 10, goes on to say, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? Did you realize that that parable of the hundred sheep was in reference to children? It's in reference to little children. He goes on to say, and if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. We have a responsibility. 
We have an immense responsibility as a church and as families to provide an environment where our children can not only meet their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but provide for them an environment where they can sustain that relationship. Now, we belong to an awesome church, a blessed church, a church that if you've been here all week, you know, puts their resources and their talents and their creative energies to reach out to our young people. Uh, Just look around all of this for our young people to teach them the truth as it is in Jesus. And, And we have so many wonderful ministries in this church from Pathfinders to Adventurers. We have an awesome ministry, the Frederick Adventist School, where we provide Christian education for our children. It is a ministry. And we do so many things. We have so many things planned for our children. We have a full-time youth pastor. We have children's church plans. We have festivals planned throughout the year for our children to come. But you know what saddens me? What saddens me is that tomorrow at 1 o'clock, our finance committee is meeting to see how we can cut back our local church budget. It is a tough year, and, and we are experiencing a little bit of a low. But do you know how hard it is for me as a pastor or as a finance chair, those sitting on the board to have to struggle with the the local church budget and say, you know what, we have to pay the electricity, we have to pay the utilities, we, we have to pay our insurance, and so we have to pay these things, and then the things that are neglected or the things that are hurt as a result of that is our ministries. How are we going to cut back from our Pathfinders program? How are we going to cut back from our school? How are we going to cut back from from Pathfinders and Adventures and, and our youth? What's that, Vaughn? We can't. <laughs> He's saying we're not going to cut Pathfinders as a, a Pathfinder director. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because when I said this in the first service, some of the Pathfinders raised their hand and were like, Don't cut the Pathfinder fun! And yet, $158 million, three days for a movie. I know that the economy is tough, but is it maybe time for us to start looking at our spending habits and start maybe putting some of those resources into building the kingdom of God to be able to provide an environment for our children Where they can meet God and not only meet God, but sustain that relationship with him. I have two challenges here for you this morning. One is that as we as a church develop our purpose, because as as the leadership comes together, we're going to try and define our purpose as a church. Can I challenge you that one of the priorities for this church is our children. And, and I say that knowing that we believe in children. And one of the reasons why I'm up here as your senior pastor is because the leadership of this church believes in our young people. 
And, and the search committee came to the conclusion and said, you know what? We want to put a young person up there, a young person that can relate to our young people, that can reach out to our young people, that can attract young families and, and keep our young people. So I know that as a church, as a church, we do a lot for our young people. I don't, I don't want to miss that point. But through this financial difficult time, can I challenge you? To look at our spending habits and say, maybe more of what I'm spending for my wants needs to go to the church budget so that we can continue to provide for our children an environment where they can meet Jesus and sustain that relationship with him. My second challenge for you this morning is to the families sitting here today. And it may be time for you to go back home and sit with mom and dad, sit with your husband and wife and say, what can we do as a family to make Jesus the center of this home? What are some of the things that we need to change as a family to bring Christ back into the home and make this home an environment where our children can meet God And not only meet God, but a place where they can sustain that relationship with him. I know there's a lot of heartaches. I know that there's a a lot of pain. And and sometimes we get caught up in in our work, with our jobs, with, with our pursuits. And sometimes we neglect the home. And by doing so, we neglect our children. I will say this to you. That having been a a youth pastor for almost eight years, I came to realize that the primary reason our kids leave the church is not because of the church. It's because of the families, because of the broken families. There's a lot of reasons, whether it's because you're, 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 you're portraying one thing at church and then portraying another thing at home and they see that inconsistency, whether it's because it's a broken home or whether it's because the time isn't being given to them. Oftentimes we grow up and because we love our families, we tend to point the finger and want to put the blame somewhere else. And the church is an, is an easy scapegoat. And we say the church this, the church that. But when you really sit down and you really start to counsel with kids, with children, you realize that a lot of the reasons why they leave the church is not because of the church, but it's because of the family and how the family portrays the church in their home. So challenge number one for us this morning is that as a church, we're going to put our children as a number one priority. And our second challenge is for all the families that are here today is that you're going to go back home and sit down as a family or maybe with your spouse and you're going to say, how can we bring Christ back into our home? How can we start living out what It's being said at church. How can we start living out what we're saying being a Christian is all about? And in both places, in church and in the family, we create an environment where our children can meet Jesus. And not only meet Jesus, but sustain that relationship with him. Our Father in heaven, Lord, 
We've been challenged this morning. We've been challenged to put you in the center, to put you at the forefront. And when we do that, we see a Savior who gets down on his knees to see eye to eye with children. We see a Savior who embraces them and loves them unconditionally. Father God, will you help us as a church? Will you help us as families to put you in the center and start reflecting you in our church and at our homes in the way that we reach out to our children? God, I know and I am confident that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will help us accomplish this. Because, Lord, we want to see our families, we want to see our children someday in the kingdom with you and with all of us with us. So please help us to that end to create an environment where our children can meet you and sustain that relationship with you is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.